Ace Podcast. Now, now this top line translates roughly into Pharaoh gobbles donkey goobers. And the bottom line, Cleopatra does the nasty. Say what? Today's episode, Bubba Hotep. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum podcast. I'm Ryan from the Moon's Dead World.net, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? And uh, we are back for a new slate of episodes that's kind of outside the scope of what we've been doing previously in the, the podcast. As you know, we just got done with Halloween and Christmas, so we had like two different series going on in those those timelines. We had a Halloween series. Which is uh, on Saw. That's right. Uh, our entire Saw series is up. So you can go back and listen to all those when you're ready to. A retrospective. That's right. Basically. All seven Saw films. That was a that was an undertaking. And uh, feels like forever ago. No, it does actually. It does feel like a long time ago. And I think we're both glad to be out of that. Yeah, I am. Never having to do that again. <laughs> You know what? Next year we'll do it again. <laughs> we'll do it, just watch it won't again. You, won't, you, won't even do like. Let's see if our thoughts change. Yeah, just right. Like, it's like a constant reminder. Like, so do you think soft? Yes, it's still. It is still. Costas Mandalore is yeah. still. Blandable. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I don't know why they haven't given you your own show yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also did our Christmas series. Uh, we called it the Festivus series, and we did. Um, Five, four, four, four. Four, four episodes of that, um, three, and then the special Die Hard episode, which was our last episode. Uh, and our l- last episode was also our 50th episode. Woo! So now we're into the back half of uh, 100 episodes. Yeah. Um, that's an accomplishment in itself. Um, so before we really get into our episode today, which is Bubba Hotep, which we had promised previously in the podcast, but quite a while. Yeah, we've been promising it for it's, like it, a couple months. It's now. it's almost like um, I can compare it to a James Bond film. We're at the end of the Spy Who Loved Me. You know how the old Bond films used to always at the end credits say James Bond will return. They'd have the next movie yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like at the end of the Spy Who Loved Me. It's like James Bond will return it for your eyes only. Well, except that wasn't the next movie. <laughs> yeah. It was Moonraker instead. Well, when did For Your Eyes Only come? After Moonraker, so four years So, ago. what happened with that? Did they just... They, they they fucked up, like, the scheduling on no. For Your Eyes Only? Or? Star Wars happened. Oh. Uh, and and so, like, yeah, so they saw how much money Star Wars made. And like, hey, Moonraker kind of has something to do with, sh- like, mm. rockets. We'll put bo- we'll, ships and stuff. We'll yeah. put Bond in space. Yeah. What could go wrong? Gotcha. Well, that makes sense, and it also, I mean, at least I guess they were thinking about where Bond was going. You know, they had two, now they had two sequels that they were going to do, and I don't know. Well, at that point, they still had books. They were yeah, they're still of. going with they weren't Fleming's books. Grand, they so. weren't following the novels at all. Yeah. Because Moonraker doesn't, but I, mean, still, I haven't read it, but, they, but I know for a fact it doesn't, you know, there's not, they're not yeah. in space with lasers. They at and, least had a, like a... A path that they could follow yeah. for those. So, huh. yeah, that's kind of like what this is. We had been promising it. Uh, our Bubba Hotep episode. Uh, it actually released on Blu-ray from Scream Factory back in October, and so basically since then we've been saying that we were going to do it. Um, well, tonight's the night we're going to do that. 
But first, uh, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about a year in review. And um, also... Which we, I, think, I, think, I don't think we did that last year. We didn't do a year in review last year. And um, also, I kind of wanted to, since we've... We've come through 50 episodes. We can take a look back even further than a year into our previous episodes. So um, first we'll start with uh, 2016 though. Um, 2016 was when we did a lot of our, a lot of like, it was like really half and half. Like we did some stuff that was older and we did a lot of series, more more series than any that we've done before. Like we did, we started with a vacation series, but other than that, we've never really done a lot of like series back to back to back like we did this year. So we did a lot of Jeff Goldblum uh, cuz we did our Jeff Goldblum series. We did the Halloween series like I said where we did, you know, Saw. S- yep, the Saw series and that that was a huge undertaking and it, I don't know if we'll ever do that in that sort of depth again. Like cuz that's it's one thing to do a film series and you know like most of them are f- are pretty good, like quality. But for you with the Saw series, you didn't know, you never seen a Saw film before, so that was like a big thing for you. You didn't even know if you were gonna like them, first of all. And then there's seven of them, and then they're pretty much the same thing over and over again with just tiny differences. So that's like that's a tough thing to do. And we were talking, it, it was a slog. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was hard to get through, honestly. And that's coming for me too. I've seen all the Saw films, and uh, I somewhat enjoyed most of them when I first saw them. Um, like I said, uh, in the the previous episodes that I had seen, like saw one through three, like m- multiple times. And then as it got further into the series, I hadn't really seen that many, them that many times. So some of them coming back to like saw seven, I had only seen one time. So it was, it was, it was eye opening to come back to it like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we'll ever do anything that. Could you imagine? Depth. Like, for our next Halloween series, we're doing all the Friday 13ths. They're, like, start August. I mean, I can <laughs> Can I imagine it? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't want to do, like, ten straight of the... I mean, I, I don't think I would I would necessarily find it as grueling as the Saw series. Mm. But maybe, maybe again, I would say that, but then maybe getting into it, it might be. I don't know. I've seen most of them, and, and I and I would have to disagree. I think I it think, would become well. I quite... think for for listeners too, or for like casual movie watchers who do watch movies like back to back, like they'll binge Friday Thirteenth series or Halloween series or something like that. They'll binge them, and that's it's a little different when you're just strictly watching it because you can watch it and you can kind of not even really be paying that much attention to it, and you know it's it's on or something in the background, and you that you're you're technically watching it. But for us on a podcast, and when you actually have to actively talk about it, when you when you get on to you know an hour and a half show or something like that, you really got to be paying attention, and it does start to become grueling to come up with something to say about very similar situations. So when you're talking about Saw, it's a series of films about people being tortured in in sure in different not, ways, not, but you know, as I say, not like that it does become a task to. Uh... You're right, you're right. It's like to say certain things again. It's yeah. Like, how much ground can you cover in this? You know, the same thing. Yeah. It's like if, for instance, going back to the Friday the Thirteenth analogy. All right, we're talking about Friday the Thirteenth uh, Part Five today. It's like, whoa, what do you say? Yeah. Uh, well, you, yeah. Jason mm, is still Jason. You're uh, still a bunch of people that got murdered. This one guy got killed in a really humorous way. And, you know. Yeah, it's tough. It really is hard. 
even though it may not seem like it, to come up with, I know we make it seem so easy, uh, but it's hard to come up with talking points for some of those things, especially when films are very similar, you know, over and over again, you got the same sorts of things. It's, it's difficult. So I think that's where we kind of ran into with Saw as well. And we tend to do longer episodes anyways. Like we, so we, we really go in depth with some of the, some of the films and to go in depth on every Saw film is, is a lot. It was really um, we also did our Christmas series, which wasn't really about a, the same movies. We actually varied that quite a bit. It still had that Christmas theme, but that was that was more fun. That was that was a lot less grueling than what we did for Halloween, and I think we may do that again for maybe Halloween next year as we pick like a group of or or we, we maybe we even put out a poll of like what would you like to see see us do for the Halloween series hmm. and things like that. To kind of pick like a, a smattering of different horror films instead of doing one series. Because it gets very difficult. And I, I do wonder if we didn't do Saw in a series binge watching it like that. How much different would an episode be if we did like say Saw now and then six months later we did Saw 2. How much different would those be in comparison? I don't know. I, I, don't like, know. I, I like the fact that we did them. The, the thing I, I do like about the fact we did them all consecutively is because each one sticks in your mind. So you can re- reference back to like, yeah. the past ones and what's going on. It does, yeah. Because yeah. I guarantee you, if we spaced them out, like, okay, we're doing Saw 5 today. Yeah. And we didn't do, watch, you know, we did Saw 4 <laughs> like four months ago. I don't remember completely what lost. the fuck happened because yeah. I couldn't care. Though I do remember, was it Saw 4 or Saw 5 that I liked the... Saw 5. Four, I think it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. See, like it's been literally a month and a half since we finished it, and (laughs) the only one that like really sticks in my mind the most is Saw One, and then the rest of them I can't remember. I think it was Saw Four. It was either Saw Saw Four. It was yeah. Yeah, It was Saw Four that you liked the most, but um, that just like I said, just goes to show you. I mean, difficult, difficult to remember them because they are so similar. The other things that we did this year, we did a lot of superhero movies. So we had done a few in the past, uh, in, in a first part of our podcast, which we started in 2015. Um, but we did a lot more superhero movies this year. And that's partially because it was the start of the DCEU. So, but besides, if we're not counting Superman, Man of Steel, which I'm not really well, counting it. In well, that. it does count, though. Cause it's I mean, setting... it does. And it, I mean, it does. But it was kind of like a standalone before the DCEU really got kicked off for... Batman yeah, but, I, yeah, but I mean, I, they had the. I imagine they had to have had the. Some, no, I don't know about that. I, I mean, granted, I mean, after seeing we're, Batman, we're, 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 gi- Superman, we're giving them a lot of credit. Yeah, on we that are. One, we're duh. giving them a lot of credit to say that they actually had something planned out to go off of. Because after seeing Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, I don't really have a lot of confidence in DCU anymore. Um, and we get those are probably. Some of our harshest episodes, yeah, ever that we've done. I think at, at least in in some of the other fi- you know films that we cover that aren't necessarily good. Like I wouldn't say Cats and Dogs is like a, a particularly good movie, but at least we find some you know uplifting moments or something to talk about within that movie, like the Jeff Goldblum. Exactly. <laughs> but with Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, there wasn't really that much good to talk about. I don't feel like we we really touched on anything that was super good about those movies. Well, there, no, there was one thing in Batman v Superman which we agreed was good, and that's Ben Affleck. Well, that's true. Yeah. 
We At thought, least he was a solid Batman. We thought he was okay, and he got was given dog shit. <laughs> yeah. Someone served it up to him, and he said, well, I'll do it if I get my own directing. <laughs> if I get to direct something. Which, you know, goddamn, I guarantee it, when his Batman film comes out, it's gonna be... Mm. I have... None of these, none of the DCU films. I'm going to see all of them now. Like, more so than the Marvel films. Like, the Marvel ones, I haven't really seen, but I'm like, I've seen a few of them. I'm like, I want to see them, but I never get around to them. Like, the DC ones, because I like DC more than, like, Marvel. I'm, like, fully committed to this, yeah. like, shit show. you got to like, see it now. you got to like, see it. Ugh. Well, I think, too, with, we and we talked, because we talked, we did do a few Marvel films, and both you and I, we have not seen many Marvel films no. in that universe. So for us to come into it and kind of see like Captain America Civil War and try to pick up from like the other Captain America films and the other Marvel films is a little difficult. We talked in our podcast about picking up with Captain America Civil War and we're like, what, what, what's but at going the same, on? But at the same time, it does work as like kind of, it does in a sense, Civil War works at least in a sense more so like as a better standalone film. Mm-hmm. Because, just by the fact that mo- most of the people you will know, and then, like, the premise is simple, like, right. they're the Avengers now, and then, like, they're trying to shut them down because they're not, you know, being overwatched. And then it's between Tony Stark and Captain America's ideals. Yeah. Very simple. You, It's, like, it's not a perfect standalone film. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. But if you, like us... Went in with very little, because the only film before that that I saw from the Marvel Universe was uh, the, the Avengers, the first Avengers. Um, it still works, and you can follow along and go, know what's going on. Yeah. Whereas, like a newer film, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, um, does not work as a standalone film. In fact, it's purely made to keep Star Wars fans happy and like buying shit. Like, mm. hey, you know, yeah. look, look at Star Wars. Have fun. Um, so I mean, I, I I think where we were getting at with like with you with the DC and you you've you've got to see now every DC uh, movie is that like with Marvel? There's yeah, they, I feel like even though their films are are good and they they're very good, they've kind of hit this flat line where they're at a point where it's like yes they they do very much the same thing. In each movie, so you know it's going to be good. You know it's it's like it's going to be it's enjoy- fine and dandy. It's, it's enjoyable, an enjoyable, but are they pop- really an enjoyable popcorn film? But are they really hitting like highs? Not really. They're more so at like a, a standard like here's a you know it, we talked about the Doctor Strange. Yeah, exactly. How it's like it's an enjoyable you know action superhero film, but does it do anything like really particularly special? Yeah, no, just the fact it's got like cool CGI effects for the. You know, the whole mysticism element. Yeah. I mean, I think with, at this point with the Marvel films, I think what they're going to be going for is like with the new Thor coming out, Thor 3, which Doctor Strange and Hulk's going to be in it. I just read that. Um, it'll probably be an enjoyable film and add a little bit more to the overarching plot that they're going to get to later on. Yeah. But is it going to be anything great? No. Right. It's because they're going to be saving that for, you know, Infinity Yeah, War. they're saving in, the big stuff. For Infinity Wars. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you can kind of probably say the same thing, like, building up to the Avengers. Like, looking back now, probably, like, Iron Man 2 and, you know, Thor. Like, they're, they're probably good, but are they great? No, because they're building to the Avengers. Mm. And that's where you're going to get, you're like, ah, aha, you know, that, this, you know, this is the moment. And I think that's the same thing, too. With probably DC, Wonder Woman's the next film coming out. Mm. 
I had, <laughs> and I was telling you, the trailer was played during Rogue One when I went to see that the other day, which baffled my mind because it's like, wait, they own Marvel, but they're playing the Warner Brothers. Tra- but they must like feel like not fear the competition at all. Then, like if Disney's like, yeah, we'll play your trailer in our movie because we don't care because it's probably gonna suck. And um, it, like the trailer for Wonder Woman, like man, that looks like that's gonna be maybe good. Mm-hmm. But then we'll probably see it and be like, uh, yeah, it's hard to say because there's a lot of magic in tra- movie editing, trailer editing specifically. There's a lot of magic. Like you can make something look really good. And I don't get that excited. Well, I, I don't really, I don't really watch trailers that much anymore because they don't really ever excite me. Like Rogue One's trailer, I did see once, and I was like. Ah, because I was trying to stay, you know, yeah. I wanted to go in blind to the movie, but I saw, like, one of the trailers, I'm like, that does look pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was debatable, but the same thing as Wonder Woman, like, watching the trailers, like, that looks like this might be a pretty damn good movie, but it's like, I know this is gonna... <laughs> you know why? Because they cut out all the exposition scenes. Oh, no, it was, it was purely action. Yeah, and, like, two right, fu- exactly. And, and two, like, cute little funny lines. Like, oh, that's, you know. Because that, 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 that two-minute trailer, there's actually uh, 127 more minutes of movie to, to be added to that. So you get, you're you going to get a lot yeah. more of the exposition that really weighs down some of the other films. Um, looking back on some of the other controversial stuff that we, we covered, Ghostbusters, we did in July. I think most people have forgotten about that by now. Yeah, that's crazy, you know? Because there was such, such a, a shitstorm. Yeah, yeah. Such a shitstorm over a movie that wasn't even offensive at all. Yeah, I mean, like, look at how many people got really upset that Ghostbusters, this new movie with these fucking women with pussies in it, were was going to taint, you know, the legacy, the of, legacy of Bill Murray's j- dick in Ghostbusters. And... Didn't Ghostbusters 2 do that, though? Yeah, right? I mean, I mean most of, most well, people I mean, would I think... I say, most that... people don't like... I mean, I like Ghostbusters 2, but that's mainly like because... Ghostbusters the... 2. Yeah. What? I like Ghostbusters 2. And that's mainly because... I, I can't remember the actor, but the man that was like, No touching on the beagle! No, no! Right, right, no, right. He's great. Hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. But, no, I mean, it's funny looking back, like, looking back on Ghostbusters, because it's like, I don't get why people were so... Well, and, now, was, and now, well, now it seems silly. Because no one's talking about like those people who didn't love it, who did, who didn't want it at all. Because they buried, because they buried well, it. They buried it. True, <laughs> but those people now they don't have to think about it ever again. They don't have to think about it ever because the chances of that getting a sequel now are slim to none. Even though they were like pre, you know. yeah. Even though they they previewed the se- like a sequel, the chances of it happening are slim to none. And uh, people that did like it. They went out and bought the Blu-ray or the DVD, and now they own it, and That's everything it. is well. You know, they That's don't it. need to. No one needs to discuss it in depth anymore. No one needs think pieces from but Salon. See, uh, look, anymore. as much as I love the original Ghostbusters, again, it's not like they're remaking Citizen Kane. Right. They're not remaking Vertigo. And and they're not movie. remaking the God. See, those are movies to me. Not just because they're like some of my favorite movies. But those are movies that are like literally cinema. Like transcending films that l- have shaped and changed how movies are. Like 2001 A Space Odyssey. That would be a travesty if someone's like, you know what? I can do better than <laughs> yeah. Kubrick. It'd be like, no, I. No. Well, and to be fair to Ghostbusters 2, I don't think anybody was thinking I can do better than the original Ghostbusters either. That's another But no, thing. it was a hot yeah. property then. Because again, you hit the cartoon too. Yeah. 
which I remember more than like because growing up as a kid, you know, yeah, you had, for some reason Spangler's got figures, and, you know, Spangler's got blonde hair in the cartoon for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that there was ever like an indication that they were even trying to like outdo the old one or anything. This is this was a, a complete reboot. It, it, in in some ways, it does share things with the original Ghostbusters. In other ways, it doesn't at all. And so you kind of have its own entity, and I don't think that's really a bad thing for anybody, for consumers at all. You know, you're getting something new, something different. It's not again, like I said, when we reviewed it, and you can listen to that episode if you please. Um, I don't find it to be like anywhere near the most offensive remake, remake. or reboot. Not, not even close. No. Halloween is a much more offensive remake to me. Yeah. And I'm not even the biggest horror fan, but I love Halloween and Rob Zombie's Halloween like totally shits on. It's like we're gonna white trash this movie. He's gonna be a trailer park kid with a fucking stripper wife and a I mean motor and it's basically gonna be a house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects, but this time Michael Myers is in it. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah I mean, no, it's not yeah, it's not even close to being like the most offensive film. No, I don't think so either. Oh, I just the, uh, I don't know. There was a lot made of it for no reason. That's yeah. Um, did we miss anything new that we covered in theaters this year? I don't. I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's a few films I saw that you right, seen, and, but... and I saw some that we didn't cover on yeah. the podcast. Obviously, um, one of the finer films that I saw, some of the finer films that I saw this year, uh, in a horror genre, um, Don't Breathe. Was a good one, um, and uh, the witch obviously, which garnered a lot of success earlier on in the in the year. Um, very very historically ac- accurate period piece, um, and you know if you venture over to like Reddit, you'll certainly see everybody expounding on its merits and successes because the big three or it follows. Did that come on this the year? Bob- no, it did not. I thought it was the, last year. Yeah, right? yeah, the Babadook and the Witch. So, and don't forget the Third Purge that came out this year as well. Classic. Haven't seen it. Neither have I. But I've seen get to see it. I've seen the first Purge. <laughs> um, so. what? Uh, so, like on 2016 level, what was your favorite movie this year? I, you know. No, it doesn't even have to be on the of the ones that we covered because we we're doing this for no, I know Ace I, Podcast Network. They they wanted uh, our picks for like no, I know, and that's what I'm I'm having a hard time nailing down a film that I mean, as I told you in jest, but I still think the best film of the year is a uh, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, um, though it came out last year, but to be honest, <laughs> but to be honest with you, I. There's not a single film that I saw this year, and I was like, wow. That really stands out. It was really good. I think the closest would have to be Rogue One, which I just saw the other day, and even still with that, and I'm a a diehard Star Wars fan, love Star Wars, That even that, I was very, by the end of it, I was like, it's okay, Mm. it's got some good action. Yeah. Um, There's no point to this film, but. Which by I didn't bring this up to you, James Earls Jones. Man, you can tell he sounds weathered now. Right. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it was sad listening to yeah. you. You can like tell like because Vader's in the film for like a few couple of moments. He's not in it for that much, but he's in it for like five minutes. And 
Obviously, James Earl Jones is not dead yet, so they got him back, you know, to do Vader's role. And, uh, yeah, you can hear the age in his voice now. Mm. Um, well, that sucks. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. It, it, at least, I don't know if anyone else either pay attention or notice, but, like, just listen to, for me, it's like, man, that's, oof. Yeah. He's getting old there. I know. Well, it's like with all these films, they got to, like, like, now that they're, they like. They got to squeeze him in real quick. Because yeah. That's probably why they're doing Blade Runner 2049, because, like, shh. Harrison Ford, he's getting old. He almost died last year. I know. You know. Carrie Fisher just bit the dust, and he was boning her in the 70s. Gotta get it out, you know? I know. I know. But, so your pick for best is is probably Rogue One. Probably Rogue, because... Yeah, because, like, like, Civil War is close. I mean, I might have enjoyed... I might have liked Civil War more. Than, I did like actually. That's a lot. I did like Civil War more than I liked Rogue One. But mm-hmm. I mean, but the nostalgia factor and the so like just some of the Easter eggs in Rogue One, yeah. like kind of like make you know give me a smile. Yeah, and, but I Rogue. I think Civil War is probably on a whole merit and enjoyability scale. I'd probably say Civil War, but I'm like I said, I like I literally don't know what's the best film I saw because. Star Trek Beyond, which was the best Star Trek film out of this new J.J. Abrams reboot, still wasn't that good for me. That was, it's the best one of the three, but even still, it's like, meh. There's a couple, quite a few things in this movie that kind of pissed me off, but it's not, it's not into darkness level bad, so it's, it's, mm. it's true. Um, and then the rest of the films I saw were just, I, they're just garbage. They're garbage. I mean, well, that Doctor Strange was it, but I mean, even still, that was just kind of yeah, just a, just a kind, movie, kind of there. Yeah. Um, what was your worst? See, this is this is where I, I can't. This is, you can't pick one again. And again, it's hard to pick. I know the two that stand out the most: hmm. Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. Those are the two. And again, please listen to those episodes because I think Ryan and I do. A, a great job of di- divulging into the cesspool that is uh, both of those films. both those films, yeah. but it, it, it's tough because you know what, Suicide Squad sucks not just because, and I'll keep it short because again, watch listen to the episodes, but Suicide Squad sucks because one, it's not necessary. It's a film they only put out like with the line of the DCU that they're trying to build now, like the Marvel Universe. They put it out because Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the bigger Marvel films. And this is supposed to be like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but for DC. Serves no point, and not only that, the film's not good at all. Mm. Nobody's interesting, nobody's utilized. I don't care what some people think. Margot Robbie's not good as Harley Quinn. She's not entertaining. Will Smith is not good either in this as Deadshot. Totally phoning in it. Entire film is garbage. But going in, but I'll, this is why I'm having a hard time deciding because even though I think Suicide Squad's a slightly worse film, I had no expectation going into that film. Yeah. On the other hand, Batman v Superman, though I didn't think after Man of Steel it would be that good. I thought I had a little hope still at that point. Yeah. That they could like it could be good, even though Jesse Eisenberg's fucking Luther in it. Mm. Maybe. Maybe, even though I'm kind of skeptical about Ben Affleck, maybe, 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 but, and then just when you watch it, and you see it's two and a half plus hours of exposition, bullshit, boring, characters, terrible action, totally blown opportunities on 
Like, th- like this is something, like, having Doomsday come and, like, this, like, and blowing your load on wasting, you know, squandering him away and it's just yeah. like, God, like, ugh. It's just like, oh, God. It's like, they planned out their sequence of events for that, you know, this series of films. Ass backwards, totally. Mm. It's like, while you're at it, you should have Darkseid in there, too. Have Darkseid be in there, <laughs> you know, totally blow your load. Waste everything. Yeah, waste everything. You know, they... And then, like, again, like, just, like, the stupid reasoning behind, like, why Superman doesn't like Batman. Batman kind of makes sense why he'd have a grudge against Superman, because his fight with Zod destroyed a city and got innocent people killed. And yet, Superman's blind to that whole thing. But yet, Superman's like, I don't like Batman because he's a vigilante. And it's like, you're a vigilante too, asshole. It's true. It's So, I mean, there's just... So it's a toss-up between those it's, two. It's a toss-up because even though Suicide Squad, again, I think is a slightly worse film, I think Batman v Superman, again, finally, after a fucking nearly... <laughs> Like, 80 years of those two characters being together and, like, the lore building the comics and the Timverse and the TV show. And they're finally doing a Batman ver- and Superman movie and it's not even Batman v Superman, really. And it's, total again, totally pointless. They're, like, cramming in shit there that doesn't need to be crammed, crammed in there. True. And, it's again, it's total squander. That's why it's like when Justice League comes out, it's going to be like, man, oh, man. I don't know. What, what are they going to do? So my pick for my favorite movie of 2016 is probably The Witch. Uh, I'll say that. It's probably... And keep in mind that I didn't really see a whole lot of movies in 2016 that were new. I I, I see like, a lot of movies. I felt like I saw a lot of new movies, but at the same time... I did too. But now that I think about it, it's yeah. like... I, I didn't I, really. I guess yeah. I did. I guess it's just yeah. more than I used to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I saw a lot of movies... In 2016, but I didn't see a lot of 2016 movies. Uh, doing like the writing that I do and, and getting the screeners that I get, they're mostly older movies, really. Um, but I would say probably The Witch for my pick for best of 2016. And the worst, I've got to say Suicide Squad. I saw a lot of bad 2016 movies this year. I saw The Forest. Forest was bad. I saw Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Blair Witch was bad. I saw The which Boy. I, which I regret. The Boy was bad. I just remembered a film that would be up there on my... Worst of? No, Best of. Oh, Best of? Totally forgot about it. Conjuring 2. Oh, yeah, you did see that this year. That yeah. Was, that I, and I, I did not catch that this year, but... And I liked that a lot. That was yeah, good. So that's up there as see, well. See, that's the thing, though. Like, if I... Like... God, it's like... Something you just like, forget? Yeah, it's just... You forget. You get old. You forget. But, but yeah, no, that's I I I would put that up there. Okay, it'd be probably Civil War and Conjuring too. Okay, uh, and I, yeah, I would say I, I saw a lot of bad movies this year, uh, but I would say Suicide Squad tops mine. Um, you can listen to the episode. I definitely get into it. I think I even have a rant for a little while. But the things that that really bother me in that film that I just can't overlook is the horrible soundtrack, which is trying way too hard, trying way too hard. When when you're playing animals, the House of the Rising Sun, like it's like it's like yeah, you're you're, you're trying you're, hard. You're, you're really not only that though. It's like, wh- what are the kids gonna think? Like, how many kids? Again, 
how many kids are going like, that's Eric Burden, the animals, playing the House of the Rising. Yeah, and be like, I know. Like, oh, it's I catchy, know. but I don't really know, what, you know. I know. It's, uh, yeah, that, like, the shit like that. And, like, yeah, they're, that's and they're Borderlands, like, cutaways for, yep. not not every character, but a few characters. Like, like hey, we're going to have a Borderlands style. You know they're important if they get that. Which is three people, yeah. I think. Was and, Diablo one of them? You know, uh, Mr. Just uh, sitting around going to... I'm sitting and I'm criminal. And I, I slap my wife's butt. I slap my wife's butt. So, um, so that, so that, and also just the very cringeworthy dialogue really gets to me. I, I don't, I don't know honestly if I could sit through it again. I really don't. I was laughing because when I was at FYE yesterday, they're like, you know how they have like their best sellers. Like yeah. for movies and series, number one, the DVD rack, Suicide Squad, the extended like, edition. I was like, are people stupid? And that, that's the same thing with like Suicide Squad and Batman v Super. Like, oh, you gotta see the extended version. That's the no, fuck you. No, this, this, this isn't this isn't a case. I guarantee it. It's not a case of like Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid where the original studio cuts garbage, but Sam Peckinpah fixed that shit in the director's cut. Yeah. I guarantee it. Like I can tell. Like, I, when I was watching both of those movies, I wasn't thinking I need more footage. I needed. Mo- I need more. A longer running time. I definitely wasn't thinking that. I was thinking I can't wait to get out of here so I can take a piss. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But uh, yeah, no, I guarantee it's not a case of like where the studio actually meddled and totally fucking was like, no, there's no saving this. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to save this. Just tap yeah. out and move on. So, uh, for Ace Podcast Network, that is our, those are our picks for, uh, best and worst of 2016. Um, like I, like you said, we didn't see that many that were really 2016 films. There's a lot more that I wish I did see that I probably will catch up with in 2017, but there it is. That's what we saw. Anything else you want to add to this, uh, year in review before we quickly get to the beer that we had today and get into Bubba Hotep? No, I think that's about it. We had a good year. Did a lot of episodes. Yeah, we went from bi-weekly to weekly. Yep. So we've been we've been doing a lot. We've been pumping them out. They're in syndication, so you can check them out at any time on our iTunes account. Or, or like the Cosby Show. Or that's that right. Show. That's right. We're weekly. We're generating content weekly. Without the roofies. It's crazy. <laughs> um, And you can also check out our uh, new network, which is the Ace Podcast Network, yeah. which we joined as well. So... You know, big things for the Blood and Black Run podcast. And we hope that 2017. in 2017, you'll tune in and be even better. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, hopefully we can do some more stuff. We do have planned a Death Wish series. Coming up next. That's right. Death Wish 1 through 5. Coming at you. This is going to be great. Because this is where I'm going to be the guy who's seen them and you haven't. That's right. You'll be able to lead us. May God have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll be a better leader. Everybody will prefer mm-hmm. you. Yeah, who's that guy? That's right. All right, let's get into the beer that we drank today. Um, it is new. We haven't we haven't had it on the show before. It's new in general. It's just recently released. Uh, I'll give you a hint. We've had this uh, brewer on the show before, but we've never had this this beer because it's new by them. It is. So because when it comes to spring seasonals for. Sam Adams, they can't stick to one. They, they Yeah, they've got to have like every six year, different... Every year they have to have a new fucking spring seasonal. That's right. Uh, we're talking about the Hopscape, 
which is their new. It's more like a wind, like like. It's not midwinter slash mid spring, but it's not. I know, I know. The, it was col- out at the end of the December. Cold, the cold snap is more of a yeah break because again, the cold snap we're breaking away from the winter to the kind of sort it's of true. War. But this came out before the cold snap. Oh, God, and we've had this rant before. We have. We don't need to get into it all. But lot. goddamn, I, seriously, stop it. We're literally less than a, like two weeks in the fucking official winter, and we got spring beers out. Cut the bullshit. That's because breweries don't abide by official winter. They don't give a crap about that. But out, they're based in fucking Massachusetts. I, I winter know. doesn't end till nearly March, like us. It doesn't end till like the end of March, kind of so depending on the win- winter, which the winter we're having it's right now. It's probably gonna be April. Yeah, it's probably gonna be April. By April, we'll still have snow on the ground. Summer ale is going to be out, and I'm going to be really infuriated yeah, by it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It again, literally pisses me off. I think it's supposed to be by the by the uh, the can. It's supposed to be like your paradise in winter. It's like it's like your getaway for winter. Pretend you're pretend you're in the Bahamas so instead you, of in. Uh, so you make a beer that's a it's a weed ale. Yeah, that's true. But it's not a wheat ale? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just being fed lies? Is that... I mean, the Hopscape is a wheat pale ale. That's what it's classified as. So call it a... Just call it a fucking pale ale or an IPA. It's true. Because you're tacking on an unnecessary uh, noun on this one. I think that the Hopscape is obviously drinkable. It's It's a Sam Adams beer. It's drinkable. It's... It's very similar to their Rebel IPA because this again is a West Coast style the di- the di- pale ale, but the difference is, and it's a very slight difference. And I've been as I've been drinking them, so it's become a little bit more prominent. The difference between this and the Rebel IPA is it's not as bitter as the Rebel IPA. No, it's not because this is technically a pale ale. Yeah, it's a pale weed ale. Yeah. Whatever that is, you know, right? Like amalgamation of things. more wheat. Yeah, I say the difference is that you definitely taste that citrus hop, that West Coast style hop. Yeah, very prominent in the front. Yeah, very bitter, flaw, uh, florally, like you would expect from any West Coast style hop. It's true. What makes it different is on the back end. It's not. It's you get a sweetness. Yeah. And it's not like a... It's... I wouldn't say like it's a wheat sweetness or a multi sweetness. It's like a, like a sugary sweetness. I don't know if it really is too distinguished from the Rebel IPA, though, that, except for the fact that there's more hops in the Rebel IPA. It's just as a... a to give it that American Indian style. That's literally the only difference I can taste is like at the end of it, it has a, the back taste definitely has a sugary sweetness. Like you, somebody put like a spoonful of sugar in this beer and you get a sweetness to it that, that I would never really characterize with any other beer. I mean, I don't want to say that I didn't like the hopscape or anything like that. It's absolutely drinkable. It's, it's good. I, I, I like it. But at the same time, I just don't think it's very distinguished from the rest of their... And and we have to wonder why Boston Brewing Company keeps going back to the West Coast. It's like, 
We don't live on the West Coast. We don't need more West Coast. Why, why go Rebel IPA with the West Coast? Why do another Hopscape with the West Coast style? Why not forge the East Coast style? Give it a better try and see if you taste that sugary sweetness at the end. Because that's what I, literally the difference I'm noticing, and that's it. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit sugary. It doesn't have that hot bitterness forward on it. But at the same time, I just I don't think that it does enough to distinguish itself from some of the other things that they've released, especially the Rebel IPA, which in itself is really not that old. It's, no, it's, it's not. a fairly new beer. It's I, I don't I mean, I, I guess I think the biggest problem with being a large scale craft brew company is that you got to continually pump out the new ones. Not really. If you think about, I don't know though. I feel like they feel. I feel like they feel like they do. I feel like a smaller one would feel like they'd have to constantly innovate. Uh, Sam Adams is so big now; they can get by. Again, that's that's probably why they have their Rebel IPA because they can just pump out, you know, either a double or grapefruit or a regular IPA, and then they're Boston Lager. But Um, I think that the big thing with these these larger companies that there are so many craft small crap breweries now is that like people like you and I are always looking for the new stuff, the new different stuff. So if they keep coming out with a new beer, you're going to go back to them to get their new beer. But the difference, the thing, again, this, the thing is they're not making anything new. Again, I totally agree with you. This is a very good and drinkable beer. I have no knocks or qualms about this beer. Yeah. I do like it. The problem is it's so similar to just regular every other pale ales or IPAs it doesn't discern it it's literally nothing new nothing exciting nothing for you yeah. to like what's the difference between this oh excuse me their rebel IPA or their latitude 48 IPA can you discern that much or the, noble pills and I love the noble pills mm-hmm. but that, like noble now is great. but after like drinking like all those does the noble pills really stick out to you would you say like Oh yeah, it's definitely a flowery, you know, because a five hop pilsner. But like, no, it comes across as an APA, and that uniqueness has been gone because they're just pumping out a beer and then just cramming hops it. Before you know it, they'll probably do a fucking stout and just load it with hops. And yes, it's our hoppy. Stout. It's our hoppy stout. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not just again. It's not just Boston Brewing Company either. Right. It's. M- all of them, just about. I mean, Sierra Nevada, that's their shtick, has always been Hobbs. But, I mean, again, it's it's, it's still, it's, that's, again, where we go back to what we talked about before, like being IPA'd out. It's, yeah, because everyone's just added, taking a style, adding hops to it, and seeing that's how true. hoppy they can get it. And I, I'm more, and I'm more interested, and this is why it's going to be great when we go to the beer fest to see what kind of people are offering. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see, kind of. Because last year was the year of the ghosts. Yeah. It's like making a out big no- comeback. Yeah, out of nowhere. Ghosts. Everyone had a fucking ghost. Like, everyone went out and like, we got to have a sweet vinegary beer. Yeah. So, it'll, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what, like, this trend is this year. Yeah. But. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's not, again, it is good. I, I would recommend people to try it, this. But I'll, I'll be damned if you can tell me what discerns this like what would stick this out from other beers yeah. it's, it's good again it's very good it's very drinkable it's very enjoyable not just for like the winter or spring season it's a good all around like kind of it's almost like i'd say like a session like a session ipa 
in a sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit he- it's heavier on the alcohol, but it's like, you know, you could say it's like a session IPA, but Yeah. But at the same time it's like how many of those are out there? A lot. And it's, it's true. And man, you know. No, I know. It's 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 hard to discern the difference between them sometimes, so. All right, so we're about 45 minutes in. We got to we got to talk about the movie of this episode, which is Bubba Hotep. All right. So, um, you've never seen Baba Hotep before? No. Uh, you've heard about it before? It's uh, w- uh, one of the Bruce Campbell films that's not Evil Dead that people often reference. That's right. Um, I've seen Baba Hotep now one and a half times. I watched half of it previously before you stated that you wanted to do it for the podcast, so I turned it off and didn't watch the rest of it. But um, I-, I had heard a lot of things about Baba Hotep in the past. Um, and I did know the film. I know I knew of the film. I knew that Don Coscarelli wrote and directed it. Uh, Coscarelli's known for his Phantasm series. I know John dies at the end. And John dies at the end. Yes, I haven't seen it, but I do know John. John dies at the end. Um, and I also obviously knew that Bruce Campbell was in it, and I knew that it it somehow dealt with Elvis. And that's pretty much all I knew about it. I didn't really know about... I mean, obviously, the Hotep part of the title indicates some sort of Egyptian-style thing. But I didn't really know there was a mummy in it. I didn't really know anything about the the nursing home aspect of the film. So it was really interesting to see Bubba Hotep in its entirety. And to actually get the picture of what was going on in Coscarelli's film. Because, honestly, Bubba Hotep is a very inventive and different film. It is not really what you'd expect from seeing the cover art or, you know, just kind of hearing about it in passing. I didn't really expect to see, first of all, Bruce Campbell in a role where he's pretty much debilitated. Um, that's not really how you think of him when you think of Bruce Campbell. You think of, like, he's very Ash Williams. You think of... Uh, slapstick Yeah, exactly. Slapstick humor. Uh, you think, like, pretty, pretty it fit. Because of his yeah. roles in Evil Dead and, and especially Army of Darkness, um, so it's it's a very it's it's very interesting to see Bohotep and how how everything comes together and uh, and and actually I guess the question is if it comes together. Yeah. Um, like you haven't seen it, didn't know about because I do know a lot of people do. This, this is a considered a cult film now. This um, is. Um, and I knew he was playing Elvis. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really know much about the plot or anything. I when it was on Netflix a couple of years ago, I didn't want to watch. it. I just never got around to it. Yeah, like a lot of things on Netflix. But um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I stayed away from it because um, Elvis Presley himself, the person, celebrity, doesn't really interest me that much. So I never really. I like Elvis. I, I mean, I, I wasn't really interested in in pursuing it. I mean, I like Elvis, but I'm not like a diehard Elvis or anything. I just yeah. like, like you know, I like some stuff, but no, I mean, like again, because it's Bruce Campbell. I'd like to, you know, I haven't like as I told you, I haven't really seen that many Bruce Campbell films. So, but I do like him. I, I've seen all the Evil Dads, love them, and and I've seen him in a couple other things. But like when you post the quiz today, just like some of the movies, like. Maniac Cop, that sounds great. I would love to see that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes me want to watch more. Uh, so I was interested, just like kind of in the concept of like what Bubba Hotep 
was going to be about and how they were going to do it and if it was going to be interesting at all. And I'll agree with you. It's a very unique, like, you guess, strike the very so you, unique concept. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of it being about Elvis, who may or may not actually be Elvis. And his latter years, if he, if this truly is Elvis, if he, him being old in an old folks home and then having to deal with a ancient Egyptian mummy that's coming to take souls from people's assholes. I think, you know, there's a, uh, um, it's, Bubba Hotep, to be honest with you, is a difficult film to talk about because there's a lot going on in the film, but then again, there's a lot that may not be going on in the film. Um... As you said, and I'll, we'll take a we'll kind of like break this down a little bit. Um, the film centers on Bruce Campbell as Elvis in a nursing home, or also known as Sebastian Half. And really, Coscarelli doesn't really give it at the audience any indication of whether his story is true. Or not. Yeah, of whether what we're getting from this Elvis is real or not. It sounds really far fetched. So. In, in Elvis's story, he switched places with an Elvis impersonator in order to get rid of all of his fame. He was kind of getting burnt out with that lifestyle. He wanted to ditch drugs. He didn't want to, you know, he kind of wanted to live a, a life of leisure, but alone, not really in the... It's in funny, the, though, at the same time, because if he's doing that, and then his job's going to be to be a fucking Elvis impersonator. Yeah, I mean, he still has that fame, but I guess maybe not as many commitments, not as much... I know, but it's still funny. Like, you're trying to get away from one. I'm going to switch to this Elvis impersonator, then I'm going to live my life as an Elvis impersonator. But at the same time, I guess with the Elvis impersonator, too, he's thinking, like, when I'm not performing, I'm just an Elvis impersonator. Like, no one really cares. If you think about, like, a, a guy who's an Elvis impersonator now, like, yeah, he he may get gigs. He may be popular at the mall, or he may be, you know, In he Las may go Vegas. to old folks' home, he may go to Las Vegas. But does anybody really, really care about him outside of his performance? Well, I think it's, again, it's, it's more, too, because the fact that the guy apparently they switched was die shortly after with. So he's boned. He's, yeah. like, nailed to that role now as being just an Elvis impersonator. It's, it's a weird... It's a weird and this is where the hu- this is a ho- horror comedy. Yeah, very light emphasis on the horror, and the comedy part is um very, hey, uh, very Wes Anderson. The fact that yeah, it's, it's a it, minimal that it's dry as all hell, except for yeah. very few lines. It is. I think that um, you can find the comedy in this as as long as you can. Uh, find the entertainment value in just watching these kind of aged people deal with their lifestyle and the the situations that they're in now. So you you kind of, I mean that concept is funny because old people in general is a difficult comedic topic to tackle because you don't want it to look like you're simply mocking old people because eventually we're all going to be there and there's no you're you're not you, you can't mock them be, because of their condition but what you what this film ends up doing is finding the the pathos and the empathy of how old you know elderly people deal with their life but at the same time we can kind of laugh at the things the antics that occur because of their 
conditions. I think, well, at the same time, I think you can laugh at the fact that they're old people. Because, again, that, that is the, I would say, again, that's the, the pathos of it. It's like, that's where you're going to be. So this whole absurd scene of, like, him dealing with the fa- Again, one of the recurring things throughout the entire film is him complaining that he's got a fucking bump on his pecker. That no one's doing anything about until, like, halfway through the film. Mm. It's you. I think it's fine to mock that because it's. I don't know if you've ever put relatives in like a nursing home, but it's, it is very much kind of like that. Just, well, it is, but and I, I mean, because my wife works in a nursing home, she is she's a social worker in a nursing home, and so a lot of these things resonate maybe in an exaggerated way. But at the same time, I feel like Coscarelli's writing does deal with this in a very, it, yes, it's humorous, but it's also serious. It's also very much. It's it's never. Over the top in a way where you're thinking like, well, okay, you know, obviously these are caricature elderly people. I, I don't really think it hits that that mark. These are actual people who have actual conditions like uh, dementia. dementia or some sort of uh, d- dementia, dementia onset psychoses. Um, and th- th- these are, are real things. They're obviously played up a little bit for the movie and to facilitate the storyline a little bit. But I think that this film deals with aging and the human frailty of of getting old in a way that really works thematically for it where in it's almost to a fault because like you said the comedy is really downplayed it it doesn't really feel like anything is specifically very funny there's a few lines that are are kind of thrown out like this is supposed to be funny like you know mentioning him seeing a chick's ass and her panties hanging out. Like, that's the fucking love nest hanging right out there. And my pecker almost, you know, felt like it had a heartbeat. But it wasn't, you know. That's like, oh, that's supposed to be deliberately humorous. But there's a lot of very dry, sullen lines that... If you don't have a sense in enjoyment of dry humor, not gonna like it. But then, we're going back to the topic of, like, just talking about kind of, like, the realness of like some of the elderly patients that going back to like the opening scene where his roommate is just lying in bed not in a coma but very comatose and just coughing and wheezing that that like resonates with me because i remember visiting my grandmother when my one grandmother when she was in the nursing home and that was her that was her roommate just Mm -hmm. lying in a bed wheezing coughing couldn't talk or anything hooked up to a respirator and just constantly just making like a you know, a very brutal noise. It's not supposed to be there to be humorous, but it's, I think it's the whole point of like showing that is just to show like this is the state our character, our main character is in. He's mm-hmm. he's cognizant of the things that are going on around him, right? But this is what he has to deal with in his you know normal day life. Is everyone else is in their own little. Yeah. Basic dementia, comatose bubble of just being fucked by being old. I think, you know, and this is a, a, a concept movie where the viewer can take what is given to them at face value. So in Bubble Hotep, you can take at face value that our protagonist is telling the truth, that he is Elvis, and that everything that's happening around him i.e. the mummy that's coming to steal everybody's soul, is truly happening. On the other hand, there's enough medical 
I'll say jargon, but it's not really even really jargon, but just medical terms thrown around like coma and, um, you know, some of his other sort of psychoses that he has, like, and no one really thinks that he's really Elvis in the nursing home to, to facilitate the fact that maybe none of this actually happens. Maybe, maybe the mummy's not even there. Maybe this is all a part of his own delusion that is really a story about growing old, aging, and going out on your own terms. And as I told you, it'd be great if the film, when uh, he kills the mummy, if it finds you find out at the end, like he killed like a like a worker, yeah. and like like what are you doing, Sam? You you killed this man, and like because he's like in his own psychosis and thinks, yeah, everything like that'd be funny to me. Like I, that would make me laugh. No, I mean I told out, out I, loud if. The whole film, like, you get the sense that he, like, oh, he's got his own bearings in his mind, and he understands what's going on, and you come to find out, no, he's fucking crazy, all this is just, you know, poof, in the head. No, I, I, I mean, I tell I, I get the humor in that, and I, I think it would be funny, but I think that tonally with this film, it definitely, it wouldn't work, because I think Coscarelli's taking, I mean, he's very sympathetic to everything that's happening within this film. It's, I want to say that Bubba Hotep is a horror comedy, in, but then again, it's not. It's more like a horror dramedy. It's more like a, a a particular drama about these patients in this nursing home, rather than being super funny. I I, I find it more often dramatic, somewhat dark. Um, well, again, often I, depressing. Again, that's where I think the whole where I made the Wes Anderson. I, I, dramedy would be the perfect word. Because when you watch a... At least for me, when I watch a Wes Anderson film, I get a lot of great laughs from it because the way they set up the drama and the very dry moments, yeah. for me, are out absolutely astoundingly hilarious. In this film, I agree. I think it's the same thing. It's Again, very few lines are in there that are supposed to make you laugh out loud funny, but there's a lot of like little smart lines and little bits that are going to make you go like... Yeah, you know, yeah. and you're gonna have an inside chuckle, an inside laugh, and then an inside inflection on what you just saw, and yeah, how you kind of relate to that. Yeah, it's it's it it really does. It's a it's a reflective piece, really, and um, I think that you know some of the funnier moments are with uh, the character Jack, who often thinks that he's John F. Kennedy, and. That's a really funny moment because pretty clearly he's not <laughs> John F. Kennedy since he's also black and he has a pretty... An old black man. Yeah, he, he has a pretty uh, demented view of... Well, he thinks his, his mind has been... His, his mind has been, you know, after the yeah. assassination attempt that his mind has been swapped with. Yeah, and then he's been died. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think that that's... Those are probably some of the funniest moments in the film, and that's—I mean—that's due um, in part to Ossie Davis, who does a really good job as Jack in the film. Very enjoyable. I mean, it, probably one of his best deliveries is when he's talking about uh, when they're talking about Marilyn Monroe at, before they go off to fight uh, Bubba Hotep, and and they, you know, Bruce or uh, Elvis asks Jack how it was with Marilyn Monroe, and he he's, he first says that it's confidential. And classified then, information and can't give that and, up. And then replies with an ooh wee. Yeah, he's like, but seeing as it's you, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, those are probably some of the best deliveries. Um, and then maybe to the nurse, Ella Joyce. Um, I think she does a pretty good job as well. She looks kind of like a low rent Maya Rudolph. She does kind of, yeah. yeah older, a little older yeah. Maya Rudolph. Um, but I, th- you know, I think that other than that, there's no one. The film, the film is literally just Bruce Campbell and then Ozzy Davis. Yeah, but I think like a lot of those things are really played up sometimes melodramatically, uh, and I think that's intentional. The, the melodrama is part of this film being somewhat funny. Um, I think that like having Bruce Campbell give that narration as Elvis is part of the comedy, is part of the humor that. He's, he, at least he really believes that he's Elvis. And he, you know. So it's funny too, because I, I can see a lot of people, if they were struck in with dementia, kind of going out thinking that, like, there's somebody famous. And who, yeah. And who better to think that you're famous than somebody that a lot of people think didn't really die? Yeah. He, you know, faked his own death. I think part of the reason why I call this a dramedy, though, instead of a comedy, per se. Is because if we're taking into consideration that he Sebastian wasn't really Elvis, that he just thought in his mind that he was, that's pretty depressing. Because the guy died thinking that he didn't give enough for his daughter and, and his, missing his wife Priscilla, who yeah. no woman could ever match. So he died in that scenario and he wasn't even Elvis. That that's a really depressing <laughs> thing. Is that you not only did you forget about your entire family that you had as Sebastian half, but you thought you were Elvis and also fucked up in your life. If you had a family, you don't. You right, know. exactly. Yeah, you don't. They, know. Don't, they don't give anything. But that, I, I, that it's still, it's still pretty did. depressing. Yeah. It, it's a depressing thought. That Even if you didn't have a family, you die thinking that like you let down yeah, your wife. Or, another yeah. family. That's yeah. that's like a phantom regret. That's that's yeah. pretty that's pretty horrible. That's that's an awful that's an awful thought and. And um, I think that Coscarelli is coming to that conclusion with this writing with real dementia and Alzheimer's patients who sometimes forget those things or they think that their family doesn't love them because they don't remember them being there. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's stemming from some real life diseases. And that's – I think it's it's a pretty depressing thought really. Um, So that's why I think that Bubba Hotep is more of a – a dramedy than a comedy. But I mean, there's still that whole issue of a killer mummy on the loose at this nursing home who is stealing souls out of people's assholes. So <laughs> there is that semblance of comedy here. What did you think of Bubba Hotep, the, the mummy itself, like as a, as a figure character in the film or as a, you know, a de- plot device, whatever. Um, very unimpressive. As I told you, it's literally like they took Freddy Krueger and the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers, which I think Jeepers Creepers came out around the same time as this, so I don't know. Yeah, probably. 2001, 2002. Something like that. Um, but it looked like they took the two and smashed them together to come up with the villain. And uh, and the mummy from The Mummy. Yeah. Because it does, when, the, when he loses the hat and he's kind of just his skeletal figure, yeah. he does look a lot like The Mummy from yeah. The Mummy. Um... I think my biggest problem with uh, Bubba Hotep as a mummy is that he's very underdeveloped. And he's only there for a very brief period. Yeah. You, like, they talk about, like, oh, there's this... When they figure out, like, oh, there's this mummy going around killing people, taking their souls, and then... 
shitting them out. <laughs> yeah. There's not much there to, like, develop the mummy. He was he was cursed in his sarcophagus, being transported, you know, fell out into uh, fell off a bridge, stuck under a bus and under debris until he finally got out, and that's his backstory. I just feel like it's very rushed with how Baba Hotep is interjected into the we have, film itself. We have for like the first forty five minutes just a scarab flying around. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. and that's literally all you get is just like you have these as you said, dramatic, you know, dramedy moments of, like, Bruce Campbell having these inner monologues. Because he does have a lot of inner monologue in this. Like, it's a fucking noir film. Of yeah. him explaining his thoughts and ideas of what's going on around him and how he's fallen from grace from, you know, what he believes him to be as Elvis was. And then all of a sudden you have a scarab show up and kill somebody. And then it goes back to him, you know, doing his own thing and complaining about the fucking bump on his pecker. And then it goes back to a scare of killing somebody else in the night. And then it goes, you know, back. So I, it's very... The way, the way they set that the whole Bubba Hotep thing up. Very weird. Not very interesting. And and I almost think, it, like, as you were... T- as you're giving me like a more in-depth analysis on how, you know, you kind of feel how the characters are. I almost think it would be better if it, all this shit was in his head. Because when you, after watching all of this, I think it'd be much better at the end of the film if you find out, like, him, like, thinking about him and Jack talking about this Egyptian mummy that's coming to take souls out of people's assholes. It's just them, like, in their own hmm. mixed off land. Because they don't give, and it would make more sense because they don't develop them enough. They don't, they don't really expound upon it. They don't do that much with it. It's very much a third act thing where they, that's where it, that all happens. That to me would make much more sense if they end up with like, yeah, it was just a, kind of like a figment of their imagination. I will say that I'm, I'm okay with them not exploring that and just leaving it open-ended for the, for the end of the film. But, and, and I'll say that I enjoy Bubba Hotep on an appreciation level. As like I appreciate what they're doing with with the film and, and the storyline and the the themes that they get at. At the same time, though, I feel like even for a ninety minute film, Bubba Hotep is it feels overly long because feels it's like two, loaded. Feels, feels like two and a half hours long. It's loaded with dialogue, and it's probably it. You're right. It's it's forty five minutes to fifty minutes opening is way too long and intense and, and, and it relies on this whole conceit that Sebastian half is also um, Elvis. So I think I think it's just overly long in its initial approach to this and Bubba Hotep the mummy does not come into play for a long period of time. I, it just it's just too long to draw out that initial concept. And I I'm not sure why they they chose to do it that way. I'm not even sure why they chose to have the scarab be the first part of of this film. I think that has to do with just the fact that it's kind of it's just a recognizable like Egyptian thing. True, I like agree. It, when yeah. you think of a scarab, you think the mummy, and you yeah. think of like how the scarabs were used in the mummy, 
uh, to like just dev- you know bunch of them dev- just instantly devour people. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I I understand that, but I don't think even that the scarab in this film is necessary or even really explained. It's not. There's no real explanation for why Bubba Hotep comes with a scarab. He's been locked in a sarcophagus. Unless the scarab was in there with him, where did it come from? Um, like I said, all I can think of is just... That was a, a recognizable like artifact a, yeah. from, from Egyptian yeah. times. Um, yeah. That, that's literally about it. And I, I think, and I don't think you really, to kind of go off of you, I don't think it really needs to be explained just because it's like, oh, it's an Egyptian thing, like, and the mummy's trying to get things, and Maybe that's, you know, kind of like an avatar for him to go out and do that. And then once that's, you know, destroyed, he's like, oh, I have to go out and do it myself. Yeah. I get I get it. I just don't know if it works that well within the film itself. Oh, they didn't really explain it, so. Yeah. It's just there. Because of thing. What else? Anything else? Actors. Well, we talked a little bit about, like, Ossie Davis and Ella Joyce, the nurses. Um, and really that only leaves us with a couple other people. Um, one it leaves us with one <laughs> Bruce. This movie is the Bruce Campbell show. It is. Um, that's it. I feel like this film was made specifically for the sole purpose of, uh, furthering Bruce Campbell's career. I don't know about that. Well, I, <laughs> I, I don't mean that in literal terms, but he's literally the, the, the definite lead. The, the definite lead and the definite focal point. Because other than Ozzy Davis as uh, Jack, that's it. That's literally it. Everyone else in this film is inconsequential. Not even like levels of supporting character. They're inconsequential. His nurse is inconsequential. Mm-hmm. The person who shows up that apparently runs the retirement home, inconsequential. This whole film is li- just based off of Bruce Campbell. It's not a detriment to the film by any means. But don't expect anything else outside of Bruce and then his interaction with Ozzy Davis as Jack. Yeah. Because that's all it is. It's almost 90 minutes of just those two people. And Jack doesn't really show up until like halfway through the film. Mm -hmm. Because before then you have him, you know, Bruce Campbell staring (laughs) at a chick's ass in panties and calling her love nest a wonderful land to be in. Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, it's 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 a limited sh- show for these actors. There's not really much for them to do besides have dialogue. And towards the end of the film, Ossie Davis and Bruce Campbell, they both fight Bubba Hotep. But I don't know. I mean, I'm conflicted because I do I do like the, th- the themes that this film gets at. I do like the whole um metaphor for aging that this is at the same time i don't think that the the way that this film is paced really works um i think it could have been an hour well yeah i think part of the problem too is that they're working off of a short story and that short story probably doesn't have a lot to go off of yeah more within the short story that they could use for a feature-length film so they're kind of stretching it um and that's a that's a problem in Bubba Hotep when ninety minutes feels like two hours or something like that. You know, that's it. It just feels too long, and and I think that that limits people watching again. I 
and and it probably limits people's enjoyment. I will say that I I still do enjoy Babota. I enjoy it for for that sort of themes like I've been talking about. But would I go back and like rewatch it many times? No, probably not. I probably not. It's kind of amazing to me. I agree with everything you said. I it's amazing to me that this has become a cult film. Because there's nothing. Because yeah. there's nothing really that like. I think maybe maybe the Elvis part of it is the a little Bru- bit, or the Bruce Campbell. Those the, are the, or the Bruce Campbell. That's literally the only two reasons why I can see like either people because again Bruce Campbell is a very. As much as I hate to say, he's like the Z list one like a Z list actor. Yeah, but he's very he's marketable. Yeah, and people and, the... and people like him because of. You know, and that's where the whole, I don't really think Bruce Campbell became Bruce Campbell until Army of Darkness. Because Evil Dead 1 and 2, you don't really get, at, you know, after seeing those. I mean, Evil Dead 2 a little bit, but not Evil Dead. You don't really get to see, like, this kind of campy side. It's Army of Darkness where you get all those, as we talked about in our episode, the great one-liners and, you know, his jerky sensibilities and cowardliness, which are present in this film. Uh... You don't really get that aspect of Bruce Campbell. And I think that's why Bruce Campbell's kind of become famous is because of Army of Darkness. That's where it all, you know, I think that's, like, to me is kind of where, it, like, you know, like the focal point where it all begins. And I, I, I it's just, I don't think, so outside of that, and the, again, the whole Elvis thing, because you have the whole cult of Elvis, I just don't. If you have Bruce Campbell in here and he's not playing Elvis, you say he's just playing some demented old guy that thinks he's like a different celebrity that's not as big as Elvis. I don't think this film would be nearly as popular. Popular. That's, yeah. that's literally the only two reasons I can kind of think of because there's other cult films that you think of that you're like, well, there's a you know, I understand why people love this and it didn't you know get understood the first time around. This I I don't see as much. I think I think this is like a very, this is a very niche film. Yeah, I would never I would never just randomly recommend this film. No, to anybody who's never seen like a Bruce Campbell film. No, I agree. I yeah, it's it is, it's a strange pick for a cult film. I don't really know where it comes from. It it could be the Elvis thing. It could be K and B Productions special effects on Bruce Campbell, which are very good for to make him look like. An aging Elvis. I think those are really good. His Elvis impression is pretty good too. Yeah, and I, I you think, you can you can buy into him being Elvis. Yeah, I mean, I think that is a good addition to Bubba Hotep. Um, the rest of it, you know, the CGI and stuff, it's not not super good. It, but it's it's most uh, of the effects are practical, but they're practical. There's a few in a C- comical way, but there are a few CGI effects, like the letters that come out when Bubba Hotep actually speaks, and they show like the hieroglyphics, and it looks like a cheap Japanese like game show, like oh, like throwing the kanji at you. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just. Uh, the the closest film I can kind of relate this to is why it might also get like become like a cult status to is Big Lebowski, mm. and this is almost like a film about nothing. Yeah, where Big Lebowski, you know, Big Lebowski, kind of the whole enjoyment of that film, and why so many people consider it one of the you know best Coen Brothers film, 
is because it's a film about nothing. It's just literally about a man who's just trying to get his fucking rug back. True. This film is literally almost like at points almost feels like it's following that trend of like it's like this is gonna be like a new generation of Big Lebowski. Yeah. But it's not as artfully done. <laughs> I agree. Um to the film's detriment, but I mean again that, that and if that was the intention, I mean Jesus Christ, that that's like a hard thing to Yeah. You know, because that, that's a that's a film that literally stands out, you know. All out on its own. Who the hell knows what Joel and Ethan were thinking about when they <laughs> came up with that one. But So out of ten scarabs, what would you give? Probably a six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I feel bad for saying that. Because it's just, there are a, quite, there's a, quite a few parts in this film that are just a total slog. And hard to get through and just not that enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the soundtrack, which we didn't even talk about. I do love the music in this, because it's like, as you said, Ennio Morricone, and then as I said, like, music that you'd think would be in the El Mariachi trilogy by Robert Rodriguez, and like, done in the 90s way, because it's like, very kind of like, you know, just like guys in their fucking garage pounding out, like, we're gonna do, you know, spaghetti western music. Yeah. Um, I do like Bruce Campbell a lot in this. I think, obviously, he's the highlight, um, because he's... The focal point. Um, and Ozzy Davis is good, but other than that, everyone else is just there. Um, and I think the idea and concept of the film is interesting, but then for a nine, 93-minute film, they don't really explain enough about Bubba Hotep itself and how they get there is just a total slog. It's not that enjoyable how they get there, and when you get there, it's kind of like, meh, you know. I would be much more interested if they just did a film about a retired... If they just have it about retired Elvis in a nursing home pretending that, you know, that he's been dead all these years, but, like, explaining about, like... Like, the most interesting part to me is when he's talking about how he switched roles and he became the Elvis impersonator and then how, you know, he got to live a normal life. They just kept doing that the entire film. That would be much more enjoyable to me than, like, adding this fucking Egyptian mysticism of a soul-stealing uh, mummy. Just make it about, you know, Elvis recounting how his years from when he faked his death to where he is now. Yeah. That, to me, would be great. Yeah. And I would enjoy the hell out of that. Yeah. But they had to add, like I said, they had to add, like, the whole mysticism thing. I think I'd probably give it a seven and a half. Um, And that's, uh, like I said, partially coming from my enjoyment of the plot itself and really analyzing where it could go. I, I'm thinking you analyze it into places most people probably would not have thought. Well, I think that it's definitely there. I mean, it, that those ideas are there if you want to analyze it that way. But like I said in previously, you can take it both ways. You can look at this as just a film about Elvis Presley in a nursing home. And he doesn't even really, he may or may not be Elvis Presley, but he is truly fighting a ancient evil mummy. Or you can look at it as a film about aging and, and and dealing with the process of aging in a way that is on your terms uh, and dying gracefully instead of, you know, without any sort of dignity in a nursing home. Or you can look at it as a film about uh, a guy who thinks he's Elvis in a nursing home and he's 
he's having all these demented thoughts about there's a mummy in there. I, I think you can look at it in a number of ways, and I do enjoy the fact that they left it open-ended. Um, but I prefer the one about the aging, the the idea about aging, because I think that really makes this film come together a little bit more and, and gives the gives the overall uh, dialogue a little bit more meaning and weight. work. Yeah. I, and to go off of that, I, I, I agree. I would like it to be more about the aging. Cause it'd be great to see when he's like critiquing other patients in the nursing home. Like, Oh, there's Kimosabi. He used to, I used to play cards with him. Now he's gone batshit crazy and doesn't know, you know who he is or where he is. And just thinking like, he's thinking that, but at the same time, he's probably at the same stage too. Mm. That would like, again, I think if, if, you like just focused on that, and then like him recounting his you know life. Even if it's something he like that you find out like, oh yeah, he really thinks he's Elvis, and yeah, he switched roles, and this is the life he's led. But this is that's not true at all. That would make this film a much more interesting piece than I think them adding the whole mummy factor in. Mm-hmm. I again, I think if you took that out and just made it like you said, like that. I think it would be much more enjoyable. Because I think you can go in so many different ways with that and then kind of play with, like, the viewer and then it lends itself to much more dramatic and, you know, comedic bits that they just didn't bother to do. Yeah. But then again, I, I, I haven't read the short story, so I don't, I have not either. So I don't know what the, if the actual short story entailed. Yeah, I don't know either. It'd be interesting to find out. But, so that's Bubble Hotep. Yeah. Um, kind of sad that I didn't think it was as good as I thought it'd be. Well, that happens sometimes. Oh, I know. No, I know. But I'm, <laughs> I, I know. I, it's not the first time I've had my hopes you know, <laughs> slash and dash. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of finding it hard. I mean, I like again. I'll give it credit, as you said. It's this is unique as hell. Yeah, I would like this is this is a film that no major studio. Would greenlit today? No, not a chance in hell. Too big of a risk. To I mean, granted, this wasn't a, made by a big studio in two thousand two. It's only made on a million dollar budget. But nobody, if you ever came to them with this script, like, yeah, we'll make that. They'd be like, no, yeah, not no chance in hell. Yeah, it would, it would not be a a big blockbuster. That's for sure. Wouldn't it even be like it's, it wouldn't even get like to the door. They'd be like, you want to do what? No, no. <laughs> Next, no. It's interesting. It's interesting to see that they're going to do. They're, they're working on um, uh, Bubba Nosferatu. Well, I mean, if it's got such a cult following, then you don't have to worry about it. It's theaters, you know, run theatrical run. Just fucking put it on DVD. And- well, yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I just mean that it's interesting that you know here we are, like almost 15 years later, with a uh, coming, you know, working on a sequel. Well. With vampires instead of in mummies. Bet- in between uh, seasons of uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, I guess. I yeah. Know. Yeah. So next week, we're doing the beginning of our Death Wish series. Is that is that right? If that's what you want to do, yeah. All right, let's do it. We'll do Death Wish Part 1 with the good old Charles Bronson. No, no, and no, see, I listened no, to no, the... No, no, no. It's Death Wish. There's no Part 1. I know. I, I just... <laughs> added that because the I wanted to distinguish it, but Death Wish uh, with Charles Bronson, 
And it's good that I'm I'm watching this now because I I listen to the the uh crust punk band Charles Bronson. There's and now no. There's a punk band named Charles Bronson? Yeah. I wanna listen to them. You're not gonna like it. How do you know? I like punk music. It's not punk, it's crust punk. What the hell's crust punk? Um it's an offshoot of punk that's very similar to Grindcore. That why not call it Grindcore? Because crust punk was before Grindcore. This isn't this, this isn't the <laughs> podcast for that. I'll have an, I'll do another one for that. But no, so it's an offshoot of punk where they people they just they hop. used to be crusty because they wouldn't shower or anything, so they were crusty. So they <laughs> called it crust punk. It's generally a lot faster, like you know, with blast beats, like like I do. You know what I mean? And you know, crust punk, power violence, and grindcore are very very similar. They're just very very fast. Often sloppy. Charles Bronson can be very sloppy. That's um, punk in general, though, too. True. Punk, punk, punk in general, yes. Punk, punk is very fast. But do you think punk, punk, punk is fast and yeah, and sloppy? That's the whole point. Of yeah. like, like the, the whole point of the Ramones is to be... Yeah, but this is this is a lot more aggressive than the Ramones. I, ima- yeah. Okay, I imagine, but... like, I mean... It's not bad religion. We'll right? have to, we're adding harmonies, we'll which, makes, to, which makes it like, yeah, it's punk with harmonies. We'll have to use a Charles Bronson song for the first for the for the first one for our intro because it's literally like twenty seconds long. So. Yeah, well, and don't get the wrong impression. I love bad religion, but yeah, I love the fact that they're, yeah, but they're a punk band with harmonies. It's like, you, yeah, it's like like who, like oh, yeah. it's awesome. You are probably not going to like Charles Bronson. We'll see. I love Charles Bronson, the actor. That's why I want to do Death Wish. That's right. It's, I mean, and we we haven't done seventies exploitation yet, which is more Not really, no. which is more your yeah, my forte, more your forte. But I I love me a good seventies vigilante film. Yeah, they're fun. They're they're amazing, and they I, are. the fact that you haven't seen Death Wish, which is like. It's right up there with like taxi. It's not anywhere as near as good as ta- it's not as good as Taxi Driver, but it's or like Dirty Harry, but it, it's uh, it's up there. Mm. It's good. And then it goes downhill. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. So, covering that next week, we'll start our Death Wish month. It's gonna be great. Awesome. I can't. I literally can't wait. <laughs> oh, it almost makes me want. Not only that, it makes me want to go home and watch Once Upon a Time in the West to watch. Like, oh, we're gonna get Clint Eastwood back. We're gonna have Charles Bronson instead, <laughs> and it's just as fucking. It's, it's yeah, it's the best. Yeah. It's just the best. So tune in uh, next week for the start of the Death Wish series. We'll do Death Wish 1 through 5 in the next five episodes. That'll be fun. Uh, For administrative duties, uh, just remember, check out our uh, podcast brethren on the Ace Podcast Network, acepodcastnetwork.com. We're we're a part of their group now and really enjoying it. So uh, thank you to them for having us on, on the network. Uh, also, we are available on iTunes. We really appreciate it if you subscribe to our iTunes account and also leave us a, a nice review, five star review. We, uh, you know, we appreciate that and it helps us uh, get out there so people notice. So, thank you. Also, uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud. That's where our episodes go up first. Uh, that's where our feed originates from. So, SoundCloud.com/slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Um, just search for us on there because it's easier than having to type in the URL. Um, you can follow us on there and repost our stuff and like it and all that jazz. So that's always good. We're on Twitter, Blood and Black Rum Pod- 
Blood. I always do that. Blood mm-hmm. and black rum because of the the uh, character. character count. Um, you can follow us on there. Retweet our posts. We really appreciate that. I I post on there probably every episode. Um, but other than that, we don't have a huge Twitter presence. We are on Facebook. Um, and it's better. That's right. You can like us on there. <laughs> there's we appreciate no char- that. There's no character limit. There is none. But Facebook sucks in its own way, so. President Electra isn't on it, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, no. That's a plus. Um, I can't wait for the State of the Union to be given on Twitter. Oh, right. I'm not showing uh, up in front of Congress. I'm just going to give it in, in Like tw- seven different <laughs> tweets? Yeah. yeah. I will laugh. That's great. And cry at the same time. <laughs> um, we have an email address. It is bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Write to us. Let us know your favorite episodes. Let us know any suggestions you have for for movies that we should cover in uh, you know new episodes. Um, let us know what you think. Well, by the time we finish with Death Wish month, it's gonna be St. Patrick's Day. Pretty much, we'll have to do Leprechaun Two. Leprechaun Two. We gotta do it. I know that's what I was thinking. What about Leprechaun? That's horrible. Hood? Yeah, I know. Um, and then finally, finally, we have a Patreon account. If you really enjoy the podcast, if you want to help support it, uh, you know, you can visit us on Patreon and donate to us. We have a couple of different options for donating. If you donate a dollar, you, you know, we'll mention it on the podcast, obviously. Yes. Mention on an episode. Give you a shout out. That's right. Thank you for being, you know, loyal subscribers. Uh, if you donate like five bucks... We'll let you pick some episodes. We'll let you actually pick some movies for an episode. Like, hey, we're going to do this? Not anymore! That's right. You, you, know. you, you, you get final say. You're like the editor. And <laughs> that's what I called it, actually, the editor. And then if you donate $10 or more, we will do a script reading of your choice with voices. We will, tr- we will try to do the voices as best we can. So, you know, you can pick whatever movie you want. We'll do a script reading episode. It'll be torture for us, fun for you. So it can even be like an episode of Walker Texas. Right? That's right. It can be any episode. It doesn't matter as long as we as long as we can find the script. We'll do it. I wish. I hope somebody out there has got the script of Walker Texas Ranger, where <laughs> Haley Joel Osment has a. Yeah, he's got his. He's got <laughs> Haley Joel Osment writes in. He's like, can you do this? Walker said I had AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do anything. So. Visit our Patreon. Obviously, it's uh, you know patreon.com, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Um, you can donate to us. We I have been starting to post um, all of our episodes on there as well. So, like, anybody who is a subscriber or follows us on there can get all the latest updates. But then also, we have a we have a website, bloodandblackrumpodcast.wordpress.com. And also check out themoonisdeadworld.net. Themoonisdeadworld.net. That's where Ryan... Uh, I do my horror stuff there. Yeah. And and, and my... Who, who knows? I might sometimes surprise. Yeah. Something there. That's true. Surprise review. Um, I just posted on there a quiz for Bruce Campbell posters. Which was hard. It's very hard. I, They're poster snippets from Bruce I Campbell four, I went four out of ten. They're really, really difficult, and some are very obscure. Yeah. So, well, check it out. Moonisdeadworld.net. It's my website. Who doesn't look good quiz? That's right. Did you, did you put a nice clickbait title? Uh, I just said guess the movie from the Bruce Campbell oh, poster. Shame on you. Like that. So. 
Yeah, I don't do clickbait. Well, I know, because it's annoying. It is. Like, you'll never believe what Kylie Jenner's ass looks like today. As I was telling you on Snapchat. Still good. Literally open Snapchat, and it's like, Kylie Jenner just gave a blowjob. These, <laughs> these are the tips she gives on how to lick good shaft. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's where uh, journalism is today. That's apparently. right. It is. It's... But not us. We'll keep delivering the goods. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3. That's right. Coming December. (laughs) Next episode, Death Wish, and continuing on with the Death Wish series. Thank you for listening to Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We've been through now 51 episodes, and we're going to continue going forward. So here's to a good 2017. Woo. All right. (laughs) That's right. All right. Take care. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.